In a world where swimming news comes at you largely in print, for the first time ever, Swim Swam will be bringing you the news on air. Now introducing the main set with Mitch and Loretta. And for the fourth World Championships in a row, Ryan Lochte is the World Champion in the 200 IM. Nobody's gonna pass him, is he gonna do it? He's stretching in, gold! Just look at him coming off those walls, absolutely unbelievable underwater. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of The Main Set with Loretta and... And Mitch. We've got an awesome lineup today talking about the World Cup, talking about uh, Pro Series in, in uh, Minneapolis. A lot of Missy Franklin talk um, on the show today, so let's go ahead and get started, Mitch. So yeah, we got tons of uh, World Cup news for you guys coming up. Um, you know, Loretta covered that one extensively, and we saw a lot of international uh, international swimmers really really step up. You know, there's a lot of success from, uh, you know, American swimmers as a whole. But if you really look at the results and look for the standout swims, there was a lot of international athletes who really claimed the competitions and really made it such an elite meet this year. Yeah, and I, I think that's been obviously the trend for this year. Um, I was excited to see, obviously, Missy Franklin, whom we'll, we'll talk to in a minute. Um, you know, she actually got out in the World Cup circuit, which was great. David Plummer was out there. And then we also had Maxime Rumi and, you know, a set of junior athletes from the United States got to go to Dubai. So that was really awesome. Um, so it was great to see them, um, or actually they were in Doha, um, but it was great to see them actually some other names in the mix, you know, because you're always going to have Kintika Hosu. You know, we actually had Lauren Boyle. We had some other people that maybe weren't on all stops of the circuit, but we at least got to see some other names. Um, Federica Pellegrini was there as well. Um, so, yeah, so it was great to, to kind of get the, the mix-up among um, the different countries. Obviously, the Aussies, um, Emily Seabom and Mitch Larkin, were just phenomenal the entire circuit. If you paid attention at all, more often than not, you saw Mitch Larkin breaking some Australian record or Commonwealth record or both um, in the 100 back a couple times, 200 back a couple times. So, you know, he was on fire, so that was awesome to see. And then, um, obviously, Michael Andrew, he swam several events, you know, at each stop as well. So it was overall, I thought it was pretty exciting and, and a good turnout. You know, those Mitch Larkin swims really, really stood out for me. Because if I'm being fully honest, after World Championships, I didn't think he was the guy in the 200 backstroke. I thought he took advantage of a relatively, I guess, weak field in that 200, uh, you know, put up a good time in that 100. But I didn't think he would be, you know, carry his success on a 2015-2016 season. And he's definitely proved with those results that he is you know one of the top guys going into going into Rio and going in with that 200 backstroke and that 100 back he's got power and he's uh you know he's keeping that momentum going yeah I mean he and again you know not everyone obviously was there in the 200 back but he threw down a 153.17 and actually not having everyone breathing down his neck in the race says a lot about that swim I mean the next closest competitor at least in Dubai was about five seconds off so you know, to throw down that kind of a swim, kind of yourself in the center of the pool, I think is phenomenal. And the fact that it seemed like Kazam was just the tip of the iceberg. So I don't know if it's just like a confidence building thing that 
you know, I, I know that we published reports, you know, he says he recognizes now he's kind of the hunted, you know, he's, he's the guy people are going after and I, he's obviously comfortable in that role. So, um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you that it, it wasn't a fluke or a one-time thing. He's obviously proven that he's, he is the man to beat right now going into Rio. hundred percent. No, I thought, I thought it was, you know, a one-time thing and then the big dogs would really step it up come Rio, but he's proven that he's one of the big dogs and that he's, you know, top contender going into those events, and he's he's tough. He's going to be yeah. tough to beat. Well, and I do want to give a shout-out to David Plummer, because at 30 years old, he's throwing down some best times in the 100 back. So I think that's that's awesome. That's got to feel good. I mean, you know, you're aging up, obviously, and you're not, um, you know, you're recovering the same way. You know, muscles are different. And to throw down a best time, I think he's just got to be ecstatic. So that's great for him. Doesn't, uh, doesn't David Plummer, doesn't he train with Jared? Yeah. 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 Right. Well, I don't know if they like train side by side, so to speak, but yes, at the same place. And, and you mentioned cool. uh, you mentioned Emily Seabomb swims. Now that she same thing, Australian dominance in the backstroke right now. You know, kind of coming out of coming out of the coming out of the world championships. But Seabomb was throwing down some amazing times this world championship. I mean, I remember. I know. I, I, I remember hearing Emily Seabomb being interviewed after London, and I mean, the girl just broke down in tears. She was. She was so distraught over having earned this this silver medal, and she was, I mean, not like the clear favorite, but definitely, you know, I guess the odds-on favorite, if you would, to win, um, you know, the tuner back. And so for her to get second place was like a humongous drop-off for her. Um, and so just, I guess, getting over that hump um, of disappointment and earning a world championship title... I think it's kind of the same thing with Larkin in the sense that I think it's just fueling her confidence and it's just getting her getting that whole ball rolling. And I, I don't see any stopping for her either. I mean, she's she's been sub-59 for countless times over the year. Um, so, again, she's just another example of somebody who's who's proven that she's she's the hunted. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I got out of these World Cup swims were the fact that, you know, I thought that the 2015-2016 season uh, – you know, the United States would really step things up and start competing with the world. Not to say they haven't, but, you know, the world, the international scene in swimming, you know, outside of the States is really just still, still out there. And, you know, American swimmers, you know, they put up some fast times, but there's, you know, it's still very, very clear that the international swimmers do have, um, you know, a little bit more momentum heading into trials or, you know, their own trials heading into the uh, Olympics than, Americans do at this point in the season. You know, there were some good results in Minneapolis, but it, it's very clear that right now it's the international swimmers who have stepped things up and really, you know, made this Olympic year an Olympic year. I mean, I think we saw swims, yeah, most definitely, and I think it's just a byproduct of the fact that the World Cup traditionally does have more international swimmers, so it just naturally we're going to see more of, of those results in the mix. Um, yeah. You know, but I... I there were a few surprise swims. I mean, there was, um, you know, Japanese swimmer broke the world junior record in the, um, I think it was the 50 butterfly. And we already talked about David Plummer. And then I, I'm still hung up on Chad Leclerc. He clocked a 22, 22 and is 53, which I mean, for the dude that also swims a 200 fly, I thought that was actually some pretty impressive range there. Um, you know, and I tried to find other times that he had actually, actually clocked, you know, on the books for a 53 and I can't find any in his senior competition days. So, um, I mean, I think it's the best time just by nature of him not having swum it before. But, um, you know, I think he's he's definitely a utility swimmer that can kind of do it all. 
And so that's another reason why I like the World Cups because of the format. You can try out different events. Um, you know, Vanderberg was way ahead in the point standing, so it's not as though Chad, you know, risked any points or something, you know, by throwing another event in there. Um, so, you know, it's fun to see other swimmers kind of throw other events in there and kind of see what they got. But, but I think a lot of people also forget with Chad McClough is that he's, he's not that old and he's a pretty young swimmer. So yeah. if, if you think about, you know, Michael Phelps, uh, for example, the multi-event swimmer, he really started developing his program when he was, you know, 18, 19. That's when he started. Ryan Lochte started developing it, you know, when he was 21, 22 kind of thing. And, uh, you know, same thing Same thing goes with Leclerc. Leclerc's kind of figuring it out. You know, he added the 200 free at the World Championships in 2015, and that was a big addition to his uh, to his program. He's going 50 free now, and 22-2, you know, in season right now is a pretty competitive time at this point. You know, For I, a I, non, I, you know, straight-up sprinter dude. Yeah. But he can, you know, he's, he can definitely, you know, 22-2 is a definitely, it, it's a solid point. Obviously, his training is more geared towards the 100 200 fly i'm just assuming but you know that 53 it's a big swim and is uh i i think if he wants to be that multi-event swimmer he, there's room for that after after Rio. yep so once again um camera vanderberg and katinka Hosu were the overall winners so they came away with the biggest payday checks like i think this is katinka's maybe third or fourth year in a row that she's gotten it so um congratulations to them and that wraps up the World Cup for the 2015. Heading over to America, we got the <laughs> Minneapolis Grand Prix. <laughs> there, there are some really, really strong performances there. You know, I was talking a little bit about how I thought, you know, on the World Cup scene that the international swimmers really did better than the Americans. And to be fair, the Americans really don't always, I guess, show as much importance of, of the World Cup events as the as international swimmers do. So... But the American swimmers definitely did show up at the Minneapolis Grand Prix. Tons of top times. Um, one, one race that really stood out to me was actually Becca Mann's 800 freestyle, 821.77. Now, that's a really solid time uh, at this point of the season, at any point of the season even, 821. But it's a fact that she was also about just two seconds shy of Katie Ledecky. And, you know, not many people can say they were in a competition with Katie Ledecky and came two seconds shy in an in a 800 freestyle. No, I totally agree with you. And I, I think that, you know, in Ledecky's defense almost, it's it's she set the bar so high and the expectations so high that any swim that's not, like, near perfection from her is, is we're like, oh. You know, you, you're almost, like, deflated a little bit, which is crazy. Um, and I know that, you know, post-race she had said that she was, you know, she was having a tough time, Katie, that is, in terms of training, in terms of just, you know, where she's at in the grind, that sort of thing. So she's not at the top of her game, obviously, or tapered in any way, shape, or form from Minneapolis. But, um, yeah, but I totally agree with you. For, for Becca Mann's perspective, um, at 17 years old, again, Katie's just 18. I mean, these young girls are just throwing it down left and right. And, um, you know, I think for Becca, she, an 800 isn't even that long for that girl, you know, being an open water swimmer as well. And at 821, if you think about that, that's not, that, that, that's like, she's putting herself in contention even for an Olympic medal, I think. She can she can drop that down, you know, to the 815 range, which at this point of the season, there's so much left to go. You know, mm -hmm. I, I do think that's possible. And I really think she's, you know, that that, that really does, that, that's a huge, you know, warning signs for me. Like, you know, American <laughs> distance women, like this 800 freestyle in Rio is going to be a good one. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not even counting out, you know, at 821, I know it's early, but, you know, that really does point for me in the right direction for Becca Mann and especially heading towards 2016. All right. 
Nikita Ledecky also three down, very solid. I think it was a 402, 400 freestyle this meet. And, you know, Leah, Leah Smith, uh, she held with her. She stuck with her a little bit. I think she was a few seconds shy or two seconds shy or something like that of Ledecky's time. But, uh, you know, Leah Smith is another one definitely to watch in the female distance events for the States. Yeah, I mean, she definitely, she obviously had made a name for herself in yards. I mean, she's a 500 freestyle uh, NCAA champion. So, uh, you know, she's got she's got the speed over the distance, and it's just a matter of translating that over to, to meters. So I think, like you had said, she's definitely a contender as well, and I think she's always going to be in the mix. It's just whether she's going to be able to, you know, step it up just at the right time for trials. And another swim that stood out on the women's side was the 224-36-200 breaststroke for Kiera Smith. Now, Kiera Smith, uh, she's recently she moved to Canada to train. She was previously training at the University of Minnesota. Uh, and... Uh, you know, she she did very well. She won Pan Am Games gold in the 200 uh, breaststroke uh, last season. She was very solid at the World Championships. But she was always around that 224 mark. And that 224, 224, 224, I think she might have dipped in the 223, but it was majority 224 last season. And a 224-3 here is just a huge swim at this point in the season. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I she seemed really excited. Everyone in the stands obviously was excited for her. She blew away the competition. I, she ended up winning, I think, by two or three seconds. So, um, yeah, whether, you know, which preparation she did for the meet, um, if that, you know, spoke to her result or if it was just a matter of, um, you know, putting together the right swim at the right, at the right time. But she's obviously, you know, a contender on the world stage for the 200 for sure. And on the men's side, it was the freestylers who really stepped things up. Now, big battle between Nathan Adrian and Santo Condorelli, who we actually had on the show previously. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Uh, great great talk with Santo. But Nathan Adrian, 48-49, and Santo, 48-65. Those two times are fast at this point. Like, yeah, fast. I th- Santo, I think that was really awesome for him. I mean, I think... Because he, he, both actually, Nathan and, and Santo did so well, both the 50 and the 100, which for Nathan Adrian actually put a little bit of ease in my mind, um, just because in Kazani didn't have that great of a 100. So I was, you know, it's not as though you're like, oh my God, you know, you panic, you know, that Nathan Adrian didn't score in the, in the 100. But it definitely, you know, gives you a little sense of peace of mind that, you know, he can throw down and, and put it together when it counts, which in this case is the the, the Grand Prix, but or the, uh, the Pro Series. Um, but yeah, Sano kind of really talking about young, you know, young talent. He's again just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, everything he did in Pan American Games, you know, he's he's basically been, you know, full full steam ahead the entire time. And and he has a great attitude. He seems to be loving the sport, loving where he's at, loving his coach. And what what really points, you know, with Nathan Adrian is forty eight forty nine. If you think about that time, the last few seasons he's been, you know, swimming around that forty eight mark. And the forty eight forty nine here, and it's it, it seems like it's it's you know it's the Olympic year. Everybody swims faster in the Olympic year, but he really stepped things up. And a forty eight forty nine here, I don't know. I got my fingers crossed that you know twenty twelve Olympic champion Nathan Adrian is gonna you know start throwing down some real solid times this season. Already starting forty eight forty nine. You know that's uh, I don't know. It's a good start, I think. And I, I I just think you can hold on to that momentum and you know keep improving. And Santo, the reason I'm surprised with that 48.65 is because Santo, he just, like, for the first time in his career, was, uh, you know, I, I think it was in April, or it was in, uh, you know, a little closer to Pan Am's, but he went under 49 seconds. I think it was in April at the Canadian Trials, but, you know, he's, he's pretty new to even under 49. He ended up 48 last, under 48 last summer, but, 
he was new to under 49 and the, you know to go 48 65 here is huge he's not he, he doesn't have the experience nathan adrian has so it's it's a big swim he's stepping up with big guns uh real positive swim there, there. yeah absolutely I, I think he's one to watch and uh, like Loretta said, Nathan Adrian also stepped it up in the 50 freestyle. Absolutely blew the competition away with a 21.56. Now we're going to get into that swim a little bit later, so we're going to toss things over to Connor Dwyer's 147.58 in the two free. Pretty solid time for this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy with Connor. I think that, you know, he found his training home at, at, at Trojan Swim Club, so he's he's established himself. He post pictures all the time about how he's enjoying the sunny atmosphere, et cetera. So I think he's in a good place going out, you know, going into the Olympic year. I think he's still, I'm really interested to see what events he's actually going to swim at trials because he's a, he's a, you know, again, another one of those swimmers that could do the 400 free, could do the 200 AM, you know, 200 free, even the 100 free. I mean, you could put a, a few different events in there. And so it's just what, what's going to fall on what day. Um, I think is going to kind of dictate what his schedule is going to be to make sure that he has the energy at the right time to, to actually maximize his chances for making the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a solid, none of the times, honestly, in the 200 blew me away. Um, no. What were your thoughts? I mean, I thought, I don't know. I thought a 147.58, considering I think this is one of the slower events in the world right now, a men's two free. So 147.58, I thought it was a pretty decent time. And then a 348.400 freestyle probably was, you know, even a little bit better than that. You know, Connor. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that as well. I would agree with that. And I, I think just going back to what we were saying about the World Cup, I mean, I'm just thinking, I mean, like just just at the Dubai or the Doha stop alone, excuse me, where James Guy was there, um, 147.06 for him, and then Velimir Stepanovic um, from Serbia is 147.56. And then you even look at Rooney, it was 148.15, and those were all just at the at the Doha World Cup. So just keeping things on a worldwide wide perspective, I mean, 147 isn't, you know, it's not, it's not the, it's the standard, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, I think it was a good swim, a solid swim, but I don't think it was anything that was standout-ish. 100%. And what you're talking about, you know, Maxime Rooney was one of those guys where you said you picked him as one of the guys to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think he's phenomenal in terms of, it, it's just shocking to me um, that these people, you know, it just seems like they can throw down fast swims left and right. Like, it, it's not the old days where you tapered for a meet and, like, that was your meet, you know what I mean? It seems like these people can throw down these these awesome times. And youth has something to do with it, obviously. Um, you know, but the fact that he, he can do a solid 148 low, um, he's 48 in the 100, you know, very easily. That's something that he does on a regular basis. So... I mean, yeah, I I have my eyes on him. I think he's he's in the mix, like we said, for the relay. I'm I'm pegging him for the four one hundred relay spot. And one swim that you mentioned was uh, you know, it was a World Cup swim, but it was James Guy's two hundred freestyle. And that's another one that for me it was an athlete who took advantage of a weak event and I didn't think I thought, you know, it was more of a fluke performance not a fluke performance, but um the world wasn't really at the best point at that time. And nothing to take away from his performance at Worlds when he won gold, but I just, you know, I think it wasn't, you know, everybody wasn't kind of at their best kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's another one who he's just stepping up and owning it after Worlds. And it's all these guys who, you know, it's really the players have changed in the sport, and it's huge. It's not the same guys owning it year after year. You know, 2015 really did change things. I thought 2015 would you know, be a little off and then people would come back. But no, you know, these guys are, they got a taste for gold and they're owning it. 
Right. No, I totally agree with you. And that's what makes it so exciting because there's not a sure thing at all. I mean, even every individual country's trials are going to be almost like a mini Olympics, you know, just making the teams. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And even if you look back like, uh, you know, 12 years to 2004, it was America, 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 right? There are a couple <laughs> other, you know, there's a couple other, you know, Australia. Australia. But, but like now it's just so international. It's grown so much in the last, you know, decade. It's, it's something... It's something special. These Olympics, I think, are going to be the greatest because it's not going to be, you know, one country just dominating, you know, right. maybe two countries taking it. It's going to be completely international. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be, it's no, going to be I, a special I, one. Oh, yeah. Big time. On both the men's and the women's side. It's, it's, it's definitely going to be global. <laughs> and one athlete who kind of got dethroned a little bit this summer was Missy Franklin, uh, you know, in the backstrokes. Uh, and you can never count her out. So I still, she's one of my, you know, top... Uh, you know, uh, she's got my vote heading into uh, heading into Rio. Uh, hopefully at trials and everything, but I want to see her versus Seabob in that two backstroke. Oh my gosh! Yes, that's gonna that's be amazing. That is gonna be definitely one of the key races of the Olympic Games is Missy Franklin versus Seabob, and probably Hosu. Who you know, she'll probably be in the mix for the two hundred back as well. It's it's yeah, it's gonna be insane. I'm wondering, I, I don't know, like, I think Missy could focus in a little bit, maybe, you know, keep that. She has that world record, just, it's been since 2012, you know, she's, the thing is that, you know, Franklin is such a strong Olympic character, and, you know, the, the Olympic Games kind of thrived off, and they made a whole, you know, everybody was Missy Franklin, Missy sure. Franklin, all yeah. the all the media and everything, and, you know, she's like a big character of the game, so it's, it's going to be interesting seeing how she performs. She actually had... A very solid two hundred backstroke performance in Minnesota. It was a two oh seven twenty four. Very very strong swim there. Yeah, and for Missy's, you know, she's she's obviously been in the Olympic stage before. Obviously, I mean, she she's so she has that behind her in the sense that she's not you know some kind of um, you know first time Olympian that's going to be on the all of a sudden the bright lights are on her. So she actually has the experience. So I don't think it's. You know, the mental side of it, I don't think, is as big of a hurdle as just the physical side of her in terms of, you know, reacclimating back to meters. She just went back to Todd Smith as her coach, you know, from the NCAA uh, run that she had at California. So, you know, I think for her, the mental side is there. I think now it's just physically getting all that prepped, you know, and ready to go for trials. 100%. And I think, uh, you know, what really stood out to me were her backstroke times. Uh, you know, she put the one double O eighteen one back, and... Uh, her freestyle times were a little slower than I think they usually are at this point. 55, 26 in the 100 freestyle. And, you know, she was doing so competitive in the freestyle races. But I think, I don't know, like, I, I don't know about her training, but I'm just looking at these two races, the one back and the two back. And I'm wondering if maybe she's putting a little more focus in instead of trying to be that multi-event star that she's been, you know, 2011, 2012. Yeah, and, and I think it's for the better, Mitch, to be honest with you. I mean, it, as much as I love seeing Missy Franklin in the 100 free, I mean, there's a huge difference between a 55, like you just said, and then the 52s, you know, that the Dutch, you know, women are throwing down. So, I mean, that's a humongous time span. And so, obviously, she's she's needed for relays, Missy is, on the 100. But I I personally wouldn't mind if she focused individually on the 100 and 200 back, even the 200 free, and just leave, honestly leave the 100 free alone. Well, you can't count her, out, uh, count her out of anything, that's for sure. So, you know, come trials, you never know what she's going to be swimming, you know, that 100 free, 200 free style. I still think she can do it, but that focus, maybe that focus is there. Uh, you know, I, I would love to see that because I think 
especially in swimming nowadays in 2015, 2016 swimming, it's there, there's not that room for that multi-event star. Uh, you know, there's all these athletes that are focused on one or two events, one or two events, and you don't have many athletes who have that full range. You know, you got Phelps Lochte, um, you know, Hagino, uh, Hosu, but anybody else that you really can think of that is such a, that can, and, and even these guys, they're not able to, to get those multi-event golds like they used to. I was about to say, yeah, so they may be competing across multiple events, but it doesn't mean that they're going to get the top prize. So it is, you know, what what benefits, you know, do you want to be able to say that you compete in all these events or at least final in these events? Or do you actually want to go for the gold and specialize, like you had said, you know, in the 50 and 100 of backstroke or 100 and 200 of breaststroke, you know, and specialize in that? 100%. Well, we're actually going to hear from Missy herself. We got Missy on the line. Okay, so from from making your first international team at such a young age um, to the Olympic team, obviously at seventeen, so you you've kind of grown up in the spotlight. How challenging has it been to go through like the discovery process that everyone kind of goes through? You know, where you're trying to figure out you know who you really are as a person. You know how how has it been having to kind of go through that with so much attention in the spotlight always on you? Well, it honestly wasn't as difficult as it might seem from the outside. I think, for me, I honestly found it as a blessing that I got to go through that discovery process while doing what I love most in the world. You know, I got I got to swim every single day, and that's what I love, and that's what I learned so much about myself and who I was, and it was really the sport itself that helped develop me. And so the fact that I got to do so much within my spirit I think really helped develop me even further. So even though it was on an international stage, like, to me, no matter where I am, what country, what school, it's still still just swimming to me. Okay, yeah. You know, and then I, I coached just a, a local age group team around the Cincinnati area. And when I had told, like, the 10, 11, 12-year-olds um, that I would be speaking with you, like, they flipped out. They were so ecstatic. Oh, yes, they were so ecstatic. So just from your perspective, like, like, how do you connect so well with aspiring swimmers? Like, what have you pinpointed what it is that, you know, that makes you so accessible for, for people in the sport that are just, you know, trying to make their way up the up the up the sports chain. Well, thank you for the floor. I really appreciate that. And hearing things like that just makes me so happy because that's like the most rewarding thing ever. Um, is actually, you know, getting to meet with my fans. First of all, the fact that I have fans. Like I said, so so silly if I ever say like my fans. <laughs> but it's just, it's incredible to me. Like and. I, I could have only dreamed when I started this sport that I'd be able to inspire others through it. And so the fact that I'm able to do that, it's it's why I do it every day. And it's what I want the most out of my career is just to inspire others. And I think what I really try to do um, is just be authentic. It's just being me exactly who I am. You know, what, what you see is what you get with me. And, and I'm jerky and I'm weird and I'm eccentric and bubbly and, and all that stuff. And, and I don't try to hide any of that. And I really want to pass that along to not only younger athletes, but to the younger generation that, you know, it's, it's okay to be completely authentically 100% you. Like, there's no one else like that. And, and so hopefully in doing that, I can be more relatable, which is really what I want. I want people 
to feel comfortable coming up and saying hi and having a conversation or talking to me. So I love things like that. And, and I really want people to feel like, okay, like if this is something that Mitch can do, then maybe it's something that I can do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think everyone gets that vibe from you, Missy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, talking a little bit more about in the pool. Um, so you obviously competed at 2015 World Championships in Kazan. Um, no individual goals for you, which is a little bit, you know, different than kind of at least the 2012 Olympics, for example. You know, what were your after-meet thoughts about your performances? Did you overall feel, you know, happy with the meet? Did you wish things had gone differently, or are you using that, you know, just as fuel as a stepping stone into Rio? Or how did you view, you know, the overall world's performance from you individually and then the team? You know, I think there was definitely, I'm starting with me and in the view, there was definitely some pros and cons just in that. Um, it was an incredible learning experience. I had been through a lot of change in the past two and a half months. Um, and so kind of taking all that into consideration, there were some things that I was happy with and there were some things that I, I really wasn't happy with. But at the same time, um, you have to kind of remember that, you know, that's really not the end goal. You know, the end goal comes in 10 months and that's really what matters. And, and that's also what I would say about the team. I think the team also had some ups and downs. We had some incredible performances. And, and I know some other swimmers weren't as happy as they wanted to be with their swim. And, and the truth is, come next summer, no one is going to remember what happened last summer. You know, that was for us to race, to learn, and to improve so that we're ready for next summer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, during that two and a half months that you had mentioned that a lot of changes had taken place, you know, obviously you moved back to Todd, your your age group coach. So was that difficult? I mean, not, I mean, you're obviously familiar with each other, but kind of readjusting from NCAA life and college life just on a personal level and then on the training level, was it was that difficult to transition back into, you know, your kind of old environment? You know, it's it, in different ways. In, in terms of the transition itself, it's without a doubt the biggest sacrifice I've ever had to make. Um, being away from my team and carry out and cow like that, that has just been so difficult. That's been so hard because they're my family, and I, I love them more than anything. And so to be away from them is just so hard. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, during this transition, I felt like it was so important for me to be with family and and so coming back, um, Todd has been wonderful. Um, the transition in terms of swimming, um, you know, it actually went really, really well. Um, kind of back training with my high school boys. So we actually have a really fun training group right now. And I, I love it. They bring so much energy every single day. And, and it's very different than what I had in Cal. And, and, and both are amazing. I mean, when I was at Cal, that was the best training environment in the world. And now, although it's a very different environment back here, I still love it, and I still love going to practice every day, and, and I'm very thankful for the teammates that I have here. And Todd, like I said, he's been wonderful as well, and it's been awesome that he's been able to travel with me, and, and we've been having some good fun together again. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can definitely – everyone kind of gets that vibe from you all. I mean, you definitely have a close relationship. You know, what yeah. – what, if you had to kind of summarize – you know, what your relationship is with, is with Todd, is it just that he kind of understands your ins and outs as an athlete? Is it just the length of time you've spent together? What kind of connection do you guys have together? Absolutely. Well, I think it's really there in the first place to have a similar and coach that have had a human coach relationship for that long. I mean, we really have been together for, for eight 
ages. And so mm-hmm. I can talk about him knowing the ins and outs. Like he just he doesn't just know the in and outs of me as an athlete. He knows the in and outs of me as a person. Like he knows mm-hmm. me. And so I and I and I know him and I think that's something that's really special and really important because you know, we walk on to death and we can both kind of size each other up. And it's like two minutes, like what kind of a mood we're in, like what practice is going to be like. And, you know, that's it's something that's really special to have. But um, we have, we've had so much open communication since I've been home, which is really wonderful. And um, it's really a partnership now, which is, which is something that's really special because we really, we take into consideration the fact that I'm not 17 anymore and that I am 20. And it's it's been great, and so we've we've really had a good time working together again. What's it like to be you're swimming without some of those people who are really really pushing you? Some of those people that you would be competing with day in day out, and then competing without the actual competition. And you know that yeah. obviously was a big factor of pushing you in something. But when you have uh, when, when you're training right now with Todd, and you're training, um, and you don't have the same people pushing you, the same people that you're going to compete with at the competition. Does it change the level of practice at all, or does it change the level of, uh, I, I guess, desire to compete, and I mean, maybe that fire inside of you to compete a little bit? No, I mean that doesn't. That never changes. Um, but like I was saying before, I mean, the training environment at Cal is truly, I mean, it's it's incredible. Like it's it's really one of a kind, and and it was so special to experience that. And it's really hard getting away from that because we do we get pushed every single day. And, Everyone is working towards the same goals, and and that's something that's so special and so unique. But but also coming back to this environment, I mean, this this was what I grew up with. This was what I trained before London, before World in twenty thirteen. Um, like this was this is what I'm used to, and and so as in terms of the transition goes, it really wasn't as difficult because I'm just familiar with this. I was comfortable with this. And although it was different to what I was experiencing at Cal, it was something that I've experienced for so long beforehand. And my teammates have just been incredible in opening me and welcoming me back with open arms, which has just meant the world to me. And um, it's been really fun getting to know them all, too. They're they're pretty special people. (laughs) And and how often do you you keep in touch with your Cal teammates and do you – um, are you planning to see them at any competitions anytime soon? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So I keep in touch as best as I can. Um, but like I was saying, they're, they're still my everything. I mean, they're my big rocks. And so I don't know what I would do without them. And so I always try my best to, to be supportive and send good luck messages before every meet and make sure they know that I'm watching and following and their biggest cheerleader from Colorado. Um, and if I'm good meet, I, I don't know if I'll be able to get out to a dual meet soon. Um, and then I'm actually hoping maybe more in the spring, January, February, I'll be able to get out there a little bit more. So I'm really looking forward to that. And there's a chance, is there any chance you'd maybe go to watch NCAAs? Yes. Actually, I have that blocked out on my calendar. So <laughs> uh, I, I really want to. I need to talk to some past teammates, some alumni, and kind of work out maybe a hotel car situation. But... Um, yes, it would be a very, very high priority for me to be at NCAA. <laughs> we'll be looking for you in the crowd with one of those big bear costumes like Nathan Adrian did. Yes. Oh, please do. I will be, like, decked out in gold and blue. <laughs> and looking forward, you know, what do you know right now what events you're going to target for Olympic trials? 
Do you have that kind of schedule set? No, no. We really haven't talked about it. I think a big part is we're just going to see how this next year goes. Um, but, you know, looking looking down the road, I think something that's going to be really important to me is, is staying on all three relays. That's something that I take a lot of pride in, is being on a USA relay. And so, I mean, without a doubt, I'll, I'll really want to be on top of that. And, of course, my backstrokes. And then and I think we'll see what happens. I I love doing seven events in London. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy schedule. And, you know, there's definitely some good and some and some kind of hard things that come with it. Like, I don't think I've actually sat in the stands at a meet since 2011 World, um, which right. is always really hard because I always want to be up there with my teammates cheering and, and giving mm-hmm. that experience, too. But with my schedule, I'm, just, I'm not allowed to do that. And so, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, like, you know, how can I be upset that I, that I do get to swim so much at, at some of the greatest competitions in the world? You know, that's been an incredible experience to have as well. So, um, but so we don't have a in on it yet. So, so the 100 free is still on the table? Yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, again, we haven't really talked about it. I'm going to continue swimming it this year, and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Missy, thank you so much for your time. We know you're so busy. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you guys for being so awesome and working with my schedule. I really appreciate it. Okay, well, best of luck in your upcoming meets. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Best of luck. So now it's time for the swim of the week, and we actually talked about this swim a little earlier, and that was Nathan Adrian's 21.56 from uh, Minnesota. And, you know, that's a huge swim. Uh, Loretta actually pointed out to me that would have been fourth at the World Championships uh, in the 50 freestyle. Not only that, but it's just, you know, it's pretty close to his American record, 21.37. Yeah, I honestly think that that was a phenomenal swim. I think just due to the fact that, um, you know, you didn't have that grade of 100 in Kazan. He threw down in 21.37, like we said, in Kazan. And then for him to follow that up just, you know, a couple months later, I think is is just phenomenal. And the fact that he goes sub-22, I mean, that's kind of the standard nowadays in terms of the elite, you know, of the elite 50 free, uh, 50 freestylers. So, um, I, Manadu's the man to beat, but Adrian's definitely making his case with these with these awesome swims. Mm-hmm. Huge swim at this point of the season, you know. Usually he is sometimes a little fast at this point of the season, but, you know, 21.56, it definitely... If he can get close to that American record, that's, uh, you know, thumbs up from me. Great swim. Uh, definitely a swim of the week. Huge, huge, huge performance. Yep. Congratulations to him. And uh, one competition, actually. Not the swim of the week, but there were a couple good swims that came out of it, and that was actually in Canada, and that was the Short Course Age Group International in Toronto. And, um, uh, do you know what's funny? I don't know. I tried to say it like Toronto, because that's how everybody else says it, but if you're from Toronto, you just say Toronto. You can always tell when somebody's, you know, from there or not. T- tell me the two again. How would you say it? Toronto. I say Toronto. T-R-O-N-N-O. Toronto. Toronto. Okay. 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 It's subtle. I can understand it now, but okay. Well, yeah, it was, it was competition in Toronto, and then there was uh, very, very good performances. There was a short course uh, national, senior national record from Paige Miller from the Toronto Swim Club. Uh, you know, we posted it, picture with her and Bill O'Toole, the coach there. Uh, you know, he works very hard, good coach, so congrats to both of them. Uh, you know, Javier Acevedo, uh, 
Q3 on a 154 two back. Really, really, really good swim. I just want to say this is short course meters, by the way. Uh, yeah, 154 two back. He threw down another really good swim, broke two national age group records this weekend. Um, and then Ben Titley's high performance center, Ontario girls, uh, broke the national senior national record in the four by hundred freestyle relay. Huge splits over there. Big split that really stood out was at 52.6 by Penny Alexiak. Uh, Alexiak this summer had a huge breakthrough. Uh, you know, she won a uh, she won a 50, 54.65 to come second at the uh, yeah 54.65 at the short course. Or, sorry, at the junior world championships uh, this summer. Um, and, you know, I did a little bit of the conversions. Her 52.6 uh, split convert to a 54.05 long course hundred freestyle. Add 0.6 from the uh, relay start, and she's exactly where she was uh, this summer at the Junior World Championship. So that's huge for her. Uh, you know, great swims at that competition overall. You know, Penny actually, uh, Penny's training with Ben Titley right now. She's working with Bill O'Toole, Toronto Swim Club swimmer. Um, and funny enough, uh, Missy Franklin, who we just spoke to, she was actually in Toronto. Uh, Toronto, not Toronto. <laughs> and uh, she stopped by at Toronto Swim Club practice, and she actually... Uh, she also was at the High Performance Center, and she stopped in uh, for one of Ben's practices, and she swam with uh, Penny and uh, another uh, young up-and-comer, Rebecca Smith, who's uh, from Red Deer, Alberta, a real, real good swimmer as well. And uh, Missy Franklin stepped into two of those practices, one with TSC, one with uh, yeah, at the High Performance Center. So that brings us back to Missy Franklin, and that brings us towards our top 10 for this week, which is going to be Missy Franklin-related. All right, we're going to count down our, not actually in any particular order, we're just going to talk about our 10 favorite Missy moments. So we all know and love her, Missy Franklin, obviously, um, has a lot of personality traits, both in the in the pool and out of the pool, that make her special. And we've just kind of collected some moments that um, Mitch and I think are just kind of encapsulate what she means to USA Swimming right now. And number one is something that we both, uh, we both agreed on that we like, is that she's always, you know, she's always dancing at competitions and stuff. Always got a great, you know, positive attitude. You know, it's 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 pretty. I don't know. It's fun to see somebody dancing at competitions and really like happy and just in their element. So it's really, you know, seeing her happy makes other people happy. I'm sure it makes me happy. Uh, definitely great to see her, you know, doing all her dance moves on deck. Oh yeah, I mean that's one of the things that I think at least you know when I told my in the interview, you know, when I told my younger swimmers, hey, we're going to speak with Missy Franklin, I mean, they just flew through the roof. They were so excited. So I think it is the fact that they get to see your smiling face, and it's someone that they can relate to, and it's not just some stone-cold, you know, goggle-faced person that's on a pool deck. Oh, when we went to do the interview, I was uh, I was at practice, and I was like, guys, I have to leave 30 minutes early because uh, I have an interview. And they're all like, oh, come on, you can't leave her practice, come on. And I was like, it's with Missy Franklin. They're all like, oh, say hi for me, you know, tell her. And all that. And they got, as soon as I said Missy Franklin, they're all excited, you know, they're telling me to go. So definitely, you know, her attitude, definitely, definitely a good role model. It's something that little younger swimmers look up to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, another one for me was just, you know, I think speaking to her character is just the fact that she was so adamant about having um, a college career. That obviously, you know, she could have, she could have not, she could have just gone, you know, professional, obviously, not having gone to college. But the fact that she kind of stuck to her guns and said, hey, this is an important experience for me. I want it to happen. Um, and the fact that she went through with it, you know, I'm sure she had plenty of agents and, and people in the business calling her and trying to tell her, you know, and sway her otherwise. Um, but for her to be able to kind of 
you know, stand her ground and, and, and make that an important decision for her and go through with it, I think, again, just says a lot about her as a person. So I think her just committing to the NCAA, I think, was, was a great Missy moment. And one of my favorite Missy moments, because I actually got to see this live, was uh, her 200 freestyle at last NCAAs in Greensboro. Uh, 139-10 American record. That was such a good race as well. She has absolutely destroyed that. And I remember, I think it was before it, that, uh, uh, you know, her coach Terry McKeever said to her, uh, you know, make them remember you. And she definitely did that with that swim. Not only was she the first one under, under 140, but she almost made it under 139. So 139-10, definitely one of the toughest American records on the books. One of my favorite Missy moments for sure. And kind of following up with her going to college is her leaving college. So she definitely put in two memorable years at Cal. Um, and then pretty much immediately after the, after the uh, NCAA championship, she made the decision to turn pro, which was to be expected. Um, and then she signed with Speedo. So, you know, right off the bat, she goes with, you know, essentially the biggest, you know, one of the biggest, you know, suit manufacturers and, and equipment manufacturers in the business. Um, and I think it's just a signal of her kind of turning over, you know, the, the new chapter in her career. So she's kind of, you know, Missy the young adult to Missy like the adult in terms of, you know, having these these big time responsibilities around her. And, and she, you know, even if you saw it, that was kind of symbolic, actually, in the Speedo ads that she didn't have this signature, like big, brilliant smile that she normally has. It was a little bit, you know, more of a serious tone. And so it, that was almost indicative of, OK, now, you know, this is the new chapter and she's like a total professional athlete now. So. That was another missing moment uh, for me. I, I like, we, we actually spoke about it earlier, like just now, is the, the fact that she, uh, you know, she's all business now. Like Loretta said, you know, it's game time. She's got that, you know, game face on. She's ready to go. But uh, she still takes time to, uh, you know, she can pop into any pool deck. And that's one of my favorite things is that, you know, she popped in for that Toronto Swim Club practice. She popped in a swim with Ben Titley when she was in Toronto. And, um, you know, she's always taking pictures. If you look, you know, on the Toronto Swim Club Facebook uh, page, they posted a picture with Missy Franklin, and, you know, she liked it from, you know, Missy Franklin Facebook page and everything. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I just like that, that she's still, she's true to her grassroots in the sport. Yeah, and I think that, you know, again, kind of drove her decision to um, go back to Todd, actually, in conjunction with her leaving, you know, Cal. So I think, you know, another missing moment is her kind of, Okay, going back to pre-2012, like that kind of environment. So she's going back to her home coach. Um, obviously, they, they've been in contact, so it's not as though, um, you know, they, they, they definitely kept a close relationship, but just in the sense that she's kind of going back to her roots, like you said, in that case, um, literally so in terms of going back to Colorado, I think that's pretty special. Uh, you know, she loves, uh, she loves it out in Colorado. She's training there uh, with Todd, uh, doing great. And when she goes to competitions, you know, you're always going to see fan interaction with Missy. She's always interacting with her fans. Just posted a picture of her signing some, uh, you know, signing, signing some autographs uh, in Minneapolis. And she's, she's always, she really, like, like we said, like, she understands the grassroots of the sport. And she's not afraid to, I guess, get down with that. And the fact that she can, you know, on, on any level, I don't know where I'm going here, but, uh, you know. <laughs> On, on any level, she's just, uh, she's good to, you know, just talk with fans, interact with the fans. She's easy to talk to, you know, she's not one of those, you know, athletes who, you know, you have to, I don't know, you can't say hi to if you bump into them. You know, Missy's the type yeah. of person, you bump into her, hey, and she's got the same smile you see on TV. Right, uh, right. You know, she's, she's Missy, she is who she is, and the, 
She interacts with her fans just like she, you know, person she is. And we got three more missing moments for you, and we're going to kind of put them all together. And that was the 200 backstroke world record, her first ever, was a short course uh, 200 backstroke at a World Cup event. Then her absolutely incredible 2011 World Championships performance. Wrapping that up before her college career uh, career started with a uh, long course world record 204, I think it was 06, in the 200 backstroke in London uh, to claim gold there. So definitely some huge swims by Missy uh, from that 2010 to 2012 uh, scenario. So that whole thing, uh, you know, world record, 2011 worlds, other world record, or definitely three Missy moments that you cannot mention her name without, you know, you know thinking of those. And I'm just excited to see what we're going to have. You know, we're going to have even more Missy moments. So I'm super stoked for this whole, you know, Olympic cycle coming up. It, it, it's 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 really going to be tremendous. I'm obviously going to throw this in here. The fact that she loves Canada. Oh, brother. I, I think you meant Oh Canada there. <laughs> no. You know it. You can sing it. No. <laughs> no. We'll work right. on it. We're doing like an all-America show coming up because I deserve it. <laughs> Red, white, better than you. Yeah. No. On that note, this episode is definitely finished for today. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, next week's show, we will have University of Tennessee coach Tyler Fenwick with us. So definitely look forward to hearing from him. Uh, guys, definitely uh, wait for this episode. Get ch- uh, Check it out. Um, Other than that, we'll uh, see you soon. So thanks for joining in. Thanks, guys.